Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater, where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. Okay, we're back with another episode of Beyond the Breakwater. I'm Lindsay, and with me today and always and every time is Ed. Great to see you again, Lindsay. Always yeah. fun to do this with you. Yeah, it's been awesome. And last week we talked about um, just the multiplication of a dollar. And if you have not listened to that episode, I would say go back. That was, I think, one of the most groundbreaking concepts for me. And I think it's just going to help a lot of churches have a tremendous impact um, in the, the people that they're reaching, the lives that they're touching. Um, Before we go on, yep. can I just do a follow-up to that? Yeah. Because I want, I want especially pastors to really think about this. Um, I want them to think about what they, what they do with their tithe. You know, mm. a tithe in the Bible is giving 10%. And this what we do as a practice as a church is that for every dollar that's given to the general fund, uh, we give at least 10% away. And uh, and there were times, you know, that we would just write checks, you know, like, oh, let's give, a, you know, money for this, money for that. We would get a group together and we would just write all these checks. And then as we started our community ministries, which we touched on last week, um, we started to change. And now what we do is we look at our tithe and we say, how do we take our tithe and how do we how do we multiply the tithe? And so we're always looking at, like, how do we take this tithe or dollars from the tithe and maybe slide it over into community ministries so that we can actually multiply those dollars? Mm-hmm. And, um, and real quick, if I give an example, I know some of these are big, so I don't want, I just want to use it because this is our example. Mm-hmm. Like, we may give our garage... Um, you know, so let's just say $50,000 is part of our tithe. And I just know for some would be like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. But the garage does $450,000 of ministry. So see, for $50,000 gift, they multiply it nine times and their gross revenue is $450,000. So the $50,000 is underwriting people that can't pay. But in order to keep the garage sustainable, we're able to give a gift. So I just want to follow that up because <clears throat> I don't want anybody to say, well, we could never do that. Yes, you could. Look mm-hmm. at your tithe. What do you do with your tithe? Can you take your tithe? Remember we talked about $1,000 of gift cards? Mm-hmm. Why not take the church tithe and buy $1,000 of gift cards so that you can multiply it to $1,625 of gas cards? Mm-hmm. So look at the tithe. Buy Christmas presents with the tithe and multiply those dollars to help more people and then take the money, the 25% that you get in sales and buy more, you know, toys with that money. Mm -hmm. Churches have to start thinking differently instead of getting, giving away their money Mm -hmm. for great organizations or people, multiply it. Yeah. So I think to kind of put that a little bit more plainly, if if listeners weren't following along with, you, you had a lot of numbers in there. But kind of like having you buy gift cards, and if you have like a $10 gift card, selling it for $5. So you can use that money to buy more gift cards. Otherwise, you would have only impacted, if you're just giving them out for free, you only would have impacted like the handful of people until the gift cards were gone. But right. now you can continue recycling that money, um, multiplying the the people you're you're interacting with, um, and kind of the the 
I don't know, stretching the dollar of that gas card. That's it. Stretching the dollar like a multiplication. Yeah. Um, Real quick before we head into everything else outside of money, because I want to touch on what other elements are brought in as we do ministry, Um, but you have reflected a lot on Matthew 25. So can you talk about that verse and what that means? Yeah, it's one of my favorite places to go to. And I'm really, I think uh, the more that I reflect on it, in fact, I was talking um, to the elders this morning, I had a meeting, a breakfast meeting, and we were talking about Matthew 25 in the sense of um, Jesus tells a story about going, a man going on a journey and entrusts um, three people with um, money. Uh, One was uh, five bags of gold. And immediately he took that those five bags of gold, and he put it to use and earned five more. And another one he gave two, and then that person quickly put it to work and earned two more. Um, And the third person took it, buried it in the ground, and then gave it back to the master, and Jesus was not at all happy. He said, at least you could have put it in the bank and given it back to me with interest. And as we look at that, you know, this is part of that multiplication. We're looking at that like, okay, Lord, what have you given us? What have you given us as a church? And whatever it is that you've given us, whether it's property, people, dollars, <clears throat> how do we take what you've given to us and put it to work? Mm-hmm. That's a whole different way of looking at ministry. Mm-hmm. Because now you're looking at ministry like, how do I multiply this? How do I multiply the ministry? Um, how do I multiply what you're doing? And um and that level of thinking is really different when it comes to church. Yeah, yeah. So putting putting things to work, and you alluded to things outside of money. So of course the church will have will have donors coming in, givers, tithes. Um, but if the under resourced church, with I, I think is a lot of listeners today, um, if they are approaching ministry with looking at it of like, man, I don't know how to make this work. Um, I've seen just in the short time that I've worked at our church and with you, um, God bringing to the table a lot more than just dollars. So can you talk about things with, um, like what other resources have you experienced as a part of these ministries? Well, it's the people resource. I I think that's one of the most fun for me because whenever you go into different places, um, you're starting to see how can we use whatever we have to make a difference, uh, for other people. And uh, I was in a meeting yesterday in the community. Um, I love to go to community ministries, Lindsay. I just love it because I get to interact with people, and I never know if there's anything that I have to offer. I don't know if there's anything that I can help with. And it was this mental health meeting uh, in the community. And, and it was really interesting because here was a person saying, I'm so frustrated because we want to help with the opioid um, pandemic, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, endemic Um, the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. And they want to put a vending machine for Narcan in the community. And they they were just saying, you know, nobody will have it. Nobody wants to have it. We've reached out to all these people and nobody will have this, this vending machine. And I happened to be sitting right next to her and I just raised my hand and I said, well, why don't you put it at our place? Can you explain what Narcan is? Yeah. Okay. So what Narcan is, um, I'm not in the medical field. Uh, But if somebody overdoses, um, Narcan is a drug that if if administered quickly um, can actually like stop the the effect of the overdose and 
save a person's life. So a vending machine for this life-saving thing if overdose were to occur. Correct. Okay. So let's just say you had friends and you knew that they were using Mm -hmm. drugs and you said, I think I would like to, for the sake of my friends, have one of those on me Mm. at all times so that if ever I happen to encounter somebody um, who's overdosed, I can do something about it instead of just watching them die. Mm -hmm. Um, So you could go to the vending machine. It's free. And okay. <laughs> you could get a Narcan, uh-huh. um, and you could have that Narcan with you. Um, now you've got it with you at all times so that if you happen to know somebody or you've got some friends and you go to a party and something happens, you're like, I can do something about it because you've gotten one of those. And if you used it, um, you can go back and get another one for free. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. But you see, those are those are like contacts that the church can... Why can't the church help with this? Yeah. Put the vending machine at the church. All they need was an outlet. Uh-huh. So... What's so hard about putting a vending machine outside the church to say to the community, we really care about you? Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So people, connections, you, you've been going to community meetings a lot. So I think I've heard you say, like pastors, start with getting outside your office. Um, what other connections can you draw on? Like, what are the importance of, of the people aspect in the ministries? I think um, we have a place, a church that people can use. And so I'm always offering, you know, like if they want to have a gathering, they want to have a meeting, they want to have something, but use our place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how many times we get to interact. One of the reasons, if, if boy, if I could speak into pastors' lives, you know, we've talked about these community ministries. What they don't understand is how many doors it opens up. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take food. Okay, so I think I told you I knew nothing about food. I mean, zero about nutrition. I know that's crazy. I'm 59 years old, didn't know the first thing about nutrition, and we started a grocery store. So what did I do? I went to grocery stores, and I started talking to people, and I started talking to owners, and I started to say, we're thinking about opening up a grocery store to help people in our community. And uh, what can you tell me about running a grocery store? Um, I started looking things up on what can I learn about nutrition, and then... You find some meetings that are going around our town, um, hunger connections. There's a there's a meeting in our town about about eradicating hunger. So then I would say, can I go? You know, hey, mm-hmm. can I be a part of that meeting? And so I'd go and be a part of that meeting, and say, oh, now I'm interacting with all of these people that are in food. Mm-hmm. And so you get to know all these people, and how can the church? Because I'm usually this is a funny thing, I'm usually the only church in all of these meetings. Mm-hmm. There are always agencies and groups and grocery people and people and, mm. but I'm there. What do I have to offer? What does the church have to offer? But now I'm connecting with all these people. Um, in our grocery store, we wanted to have bread. So we started to pay attention to all the brands of bread. And then we started to call on vendors and we started to meet salespeople. And I was doing a lot of that at the beginning. And so here I am meeting all these people in bread, and I'm learning everything there is to know about bread and all the different kinds of bread and telling them what we wanted to do. And then they were going back and telling their managers who told their managers who came back to us and said, "Um, we want to help you, so we're going to give you the lowest wholesale price that we offer anybody. Mm -hmm. We want to give to you so that you can help the people that are coming to the grocery store. So then I would get to talk to the manager to say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. So you see, here I'm a pastor, mm-hmm. I was gonna small, say. small town pastor, yeah. that gets to work with bread people. And I get to work with 
um, meat people, you know, like, like we didn't know anything about meat. Mm-hmm. And I was just driving down the street looking at a, you know, there's this, uh, we got this great place in our community where you can buy amazing meat. So I was driving by one town, here's a semi right in front of it, you know, so I'm like, oh, wonder if that's their supplier. So sure enough, Googled it, got a hold of the supplier, asked them all about it. So started to build a relationship with these people down in Detroit and found out that that's where they are. And I, and I, and I learned all about how they work and they love what we're doing. I get to pitch what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So now I'm developing a relationship with people that are in meat. Mm-hmm. And then of course, here's a cool thing. He told his boss, who told his boss, who told his workers. And pretty soon you've got all these people that are down at the meat factory hearing all about what this little church is doing mm-hmm. in a little grocery store. Mm-hmm. See, if only I could talk to pastors mm-hmm. about how when you do a ministry, and it doesn't matter what it is, here's another example, shoes. Remember we talked about Sneaker Palooza, that you ask people to buy shoes, then we made the mistake of giving them away. I know we've talked about that. We should have sold them for at least $5. But what we did is we got people um, who were passionate about doing this, went to every shoe retailer all around town. Do you know how many contacts one idea had? Mm. So think about going to all of these stores, every shoe store, every big department store, talking to the manager, telling them what we're doing, and inevitably every one of them reduced the shoes down to a little bit above their cost, but they had to go tell their bosses to get special pricing for this church doing this crazy little activity in the town and one idea led to how many contacts around town so the beauty is is here's a pastor normally i don't know how it is for any other field but i know when people go what do you do um i kind of choke because i know if i say i'm a pastor everybody takes a step away from me physically Mm -hmm. they're like get away i don't want (laughs) to talk to you but when they're like what do you do say well I'm a pastor, but I want to tell you something about what I get to do. They're like, what do you mean? Um, we do this thing with shoes. They're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? What's the church doing with shoes? Well, our goal is to get shoes to kids, but we want to do it in a dignified way. What are you talking about? So here I am. I can talk to anybody, and I can pitch this incredible thing that we get to do for people and with people in a dignified way. And you know what almost every time people say? I want to be part of that. Hmm. So that's it cool. gives us as pastors something that's of interest to so many. Mm-hmm. Take your pick um, of any one of these community things that yeah. you're doing. So, okay, so you're a pastor, and when I think of a typical like job description of a pastor, I'm like, what? Like you're you're running to Detroit to pick up food, you're running your grocery store, you're learning about all of the things of how to run these ministries. Like, how do you have time to do all of that? Like, are you the person going and running the grocery store? Are you the person going to pick something up? Yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so along the way, I didn't know anything about food. So it's really hard for me to say to somebody, run with the food ministry if I don't even know what it is. So mm-hmm. I was always like the first one that I want to learn. Um, and then very quickly bring people around me. So am I running the grocery store? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to multiply my time. Mm-hmm. There's another multiplication that we talked about last week. Because because I want to multiply my time, who's a great person who has a passion for this that I can teach everything that I know and then set them loose 
And then they start learning way more than I could ever learn because they've got more time to learn it while they're running the, the food center. Mm -hmm. um, and then they raised up more supervisors underneath them. So now we're running different church, different supervisors, all running this little grocery store called the Bridge Food Center. And you have this multiplication of talent mm -hmm. that's all coming in, all these people passionate who keep telling more people, who keep telling more people. And then pretty soon you have a whole community that's bringing food to a little grocery store is a, for a bonus section. And then now there's a there's a big competition going on in our town that the, all the county employees um, are all battling against the city employees of who can bring more food into the bonus section. And the bonus section is for every $10 you spend, you get a bonus item free, up to four items. We go through two to 300 items every single week uh, that we're open, or every day we're open, two to 300 bonus items. So now you got... See, are you are you following this? Yeah, I'm you like, what else city, can we multiply? <laughs> county, you got corporations, you got businesses, you got doctors' office. Everybody's going doing these competitions of who can bring more food and have the greatest impact on the people that need food in a way that that maintains the dignity of a person. Mm. So, I'm one person who had a dream, worked with one person, and the two of us started. And then now, look how many people are part of this. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that if I could speak into a pastor's life, multiply yourself, have something that's of value, ask God, show me of what's of value of this community that's of need, and then how do I start to bring other people around it? But you got to go first. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's the hardest thing for pastors, that I've got to get them beyond the breakwater. I mean, mm -hmm. if we can go back to our model. Yeah. They have to go out beyond the breakwater and say, I'm way out of my comfort zone. I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to learn. And um, and I don't know how to do it, but I bet I can find people who know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And when you find a person who knows how to do food, they love to tell you what they've learned about food. Yeah. You find a person in nutrition and just say, could you teach me about nutrition? Mm -hmm. They love to teach you about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then you say, is there anybody else I should talk to? And they say, yeah, here's my three friends. Go talk to them. And you call them and you go have coffee with them and you're saying, I have a crazy idea to open up a grocery store. And pretty soon over something like food, you're just exploding into the community of getting to know all these people who are starting to all work together for the singular purpose of putting more food on the table. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. And so you're challenging a lot of pastors right now, like speaking yes. to a lot of churches. So... I think some listeners might be asking, like, okay, where does Jesus come into this? Where does the gospel, like, what is the point of any of this if yes. they never hear the gospel? Yes, thank you for that great question. Let's go back to when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest two commandments? And and he said so simply, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. The church, out of their love for Christ, goes and loves people. Mm. When people walk into the grocery store, they have a barrier. They're hungry. If they walk in the door and you're like, I want to tell you about Jesus, they oftentimes can't hear it because they're hungry. So how do we love people? Mm -hmm. You serve them, you love them, you get them the food that they need at a price they can afford. And then as you satisfy the hunger part of it, then they're like, who are you? Remember, mm -hmm. I, I know we've talked about these two questions. They always want to know who you are, who are you, and why are you doing this. Mm -hmm. That's when you get to actually speak your faith. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because God loves me, and we're just 
instructed to love and we are going to love and we are going to love in a way that you really need. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the perfect model for the church out of your love for Christ. Find ways to love people in your community in a way that meets a need. And as you meet the needs, they can actually listen mm -hmm. and they can hear what you have to say about Jesus. Yeah. But if you just go into a church, uh, if the church just goes into the community like, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus, and they're hungry, let's look at all the times with Jesus. They came to him and he healed them. Mm -hmm. Now they could listen. He would feed them. He would teach them and feed them so often. He would combine the two because he knew, he knew when you're hungry, you can't listen anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was reading just the other, a few days ago, like Jesus was... In a, in a crowd of, it was like the crowd of 4,000 and he, there were people that were being brought to him for him to heal and for him to feed and for him to make the crippled walk and the blind see. And at the end of it all, it was like he had healed, he had yeah done all those things and it was like, and God was glorified because of it. Yes. And so I just like, after that, had that feeling of like, oh my gosh, like we have such a great privilege to have all of these intersections in the community between a healthcare clinic and a grocery store and an auto garage to meet people's needs and love them without the expectation of, okay, now come to my church, but we can just love them because we love God and we love, we love people like, like we love ourselves. And so, um, it's just, a, what a beautiful model that we can have that. And I just want more churches to be able to step into that and be like, oh my goodness, like, Jesus doing that with the 4,000 and God being glorified, shouldn't we replicate that here? Yes. And think yeah. about in those stories, you know, there's two different stories with Jesus feeding people, but he started with five loaves and two fish and fed thousands. The multiplication. There's the multiplication. And everybody walked away experiencing a miracle. And those mm -hmm. thousands of people probably went and told, thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out in that story too, like God was the multiplier in that. Yes. Like we are just charged with putting our money to work yeah. and God will multiply that. Right. And so I think as I'm hearing you share these stories and how you've interacted with the community is you have like this curiosity and this desire to learn. And so that prompts you to enter the community in a way that I think most people might just like breeze through. Like if they're going to the grocery store, they're just going in to get it and then leave. Right. And if God is introducing you to people, if he wants you to see, hey, is that a supplier of, of meat? Well, let me dig into it. So I think if anything, like listeners should walk away from this challenged, be so curious yes. about all of the places you're going, all of the people that you're meeting, wherever God has you, like open your eyes and look for the things that are seemingly insignificant where someone else might just tap out and be like, all right, that whatever. But I think God speaks in both the big things, but he speaks in what is so insignificant seemingly. It's like he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake, but he was in the whisper. Right. You know, it's kind of funny when you talk about, you know, me going into those meetings. So I was this, remember the, the Narcan story about yes. the vending machine? Well, the first time I went into that meeting, you know, I walk in and here I'm a pastor walking into this community meeting. And uh, of course, there's no churches. And I remember them saying, uh, can we ask you a simple question? Sure. Why are you here? <laughs> I said, 
I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. But I just wanted to come and find out. Mm. Yeah. And here, now we get to help in the saving of lives mm. in the most simplest of ways that everybody else said no, and we said yes. Mm. And we get to help in the savings of lives of people who are struggling. My heart just breaks for people that are struggling with mm-hmm. opioid, opioid addictions and all the addictions out there. Um, the church should be leading. How do we help? Because mm-hmm. Christ sets us free from those things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you got to walk in a meeting that you don't know anything about. That's going beyond the breakwater mm-hmm. and being completely uncomfortable. Wow. And then watch how God can use the church in a powerful way to save lives. Yeah, I have the chills. What can listeners do before they go? I would look into your community and find out what's going on. Um, just start um, asking around, you know, what kind of meetings are going on in the community. Um, you can go to township meetings, um, city council meetings. Um, where's an interest you have? Find out. Um, and I think the more curious we are, and again, it's getting pastors out of their church. So if I'm talking to pastors, get out of the church, start going into the community, and start getting to know people in the community, start asking questions, and see where that goes, and watch how the doors just keep opening up. One door leads to another door, leads to another door, and pretty soon you're like, God, I think I know why I'm here. It didn't make sense, but now it makes sense because you know you're using the church to serve the community. That's awesome. Okay, stay curious, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.